Melissa, would you pray for us? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning, Father God. I thank you that you chose today to just have another moment in your presence and in your love and in your endurance, Father God. Father God, may this day be in your glory, Father God. May all be done in your will. We pray in Jesus' name.
Father, there's truly no one like you. For you are holy. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your love endures forever. Father, you continue to pursue each one of us, God, calling us back unto you, Lord, reminding us, Lord, of your great love and Father, how you're filled with compassion and that you're slow to anger. Thank you, Father, for the hope that we have in you. God, because your word gives us the understanding and the the mindset of knowing, God, that, God, that our hope in you will never disappoint us. That we are secure in Christ. That apart from you, we can do nothing. That you've given us everything we need to live a godly life. That, God, you made a way. we could be reconciled unto you through Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So we thank you, God, that you've begun this work in us. Thank you, Father, that you are faithful to complete it. May we daily humble ourselves and remain humble, seeking you, Father each day that ultimately our lives will bring glory and honor to your name in Jesus name Amen John chapter 1 is where we're heading this morning chapter 1 verse 1 it's Christmas in a week but it is the Christmas season, and as I've been praying through these past few weeks and reflecting upon Christmas, I've been brought back to a place of being reminded how great God's love is for us. And my hope and my prayer for us is through these scriptures this morning as we're reading, is that each of us would be reminded, oh, but God, if it wasn't for what Jesus accomplished for us, what hope would we have? You see, God sent His one and only Son into this world that is corrupt, that is in complete rebellion towards the things that are of God. 
the very one who created this world and created mankind in his own image. But God gave his one and only Son, sent him into this world to reconcile, to bring mankind back to himself. Do we grasp it? The fullness of what God has done. And the reality of our rebellion. Do we really grasp the fullness of how dark this world is? And yet, how bright this light is. God. Jesus, you came to pay the price for us. The penalty of, of our rebellion, of our sin, is eternal damnation. Death. An eternal place of torment. Hell. It may not be the topic to preach in a Christmas message. But it's the topic that we need to have an understanding that we cannot push it aside or pretend that that's not the fate of those who, have done, have, who do not accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. There's no other way to God. No matter how man wants to try to, to make all these different ways to God, there's only one way. And that's through Jesus. And apart from him, those who do not accept Jesus, those who remain in rebellion towards him, will end up in an eternal hell, a place of torment forever. Forever. But a loving God understands the condition of the sinful nature of man, and he's made provision through his son Jesus. In hopes that mankind will turn back to its creator. That we wouldn't worship the created, but that we would be in relationship with the creator. The holy God. That we would honor Him. That we would serve Him. That we would love Him with our whole being. And in a world that is so crooked and perverse, the hope that we find in the Holy Scriptures is that we can walk upright. Not in and of ourselves. See, we've got to get beyond us and get to all about Him. Our new life in Christ can only be obtained through Him. That's daily, depending upon the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit, whom we have been given, to guard our hearts, to tame our tongue, and to renew our minds. Daily, you all. It's a daily pursuit. It's not a one-time prayer. It's a daily pursuit of holiness, of righteousness, of being made more and more into His image. So that we can reflect Christ to others. We have a purpose. We have a mission now. As believers. To go forth and uphold the truth and the reality of Christ. 
and in so the reality of hell. John 1 says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Christ, the eternal Word, you all. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. No matter what the world is promoting, in its darkness increasing, it can never extinguish the light of truth, the light of of Christ. This is the God in whom we serve. The baby in the manger. The eternal word of God. The light of the world. The hope for mankind. Because until then, all we had was the prophetic hope of the one that would come. But as soon as he came, the hope, Christ himself began to grow and to walk upon this earth. His mission was the cross, the redemption of mankind, to break the yokes of bondages, to rescue those who were enslaved to sin, to take our punishment. Give us freedom. Freedom, you all. Freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ. So that no matter what your circumstances are on this earth, Christ is your all in all. Christ is the only one that you should be exalting. In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. He's already overcame the world. We have to put these principles into practice in our life. It just can't be a good story. No, it has to be your truth. It has to be what is defining you. Because it is who he says he is. He goes on and says, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light who gives light to everyone who's, who was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, Jesus did. But listen to this, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. This rebirth that we understand from scriptures, 
that happens when one accepts Jesus as Lord and Savior. There will be those upon this earth that will continue to reject Jesus. But for those who accept him, they are given now the right to call him Abba, to call him Daddy. They have become children of God. They have been engrafted into his family. They are reborn. And we have to encourage each other in this because it's so easy to get caught up with the realities of life around us. But we must remember whom we belong to. We must remember that we have been reborn. This newness of life, you all, into the relationship with God Almighty. It's not to be taken lightly. It's not to be taken lightly. Prophetic events have occurred since this earth was formed. Because remember, the cross was purposed even before the earth's foundations was laid. The plan of redemption wasn't a second afterthought of God. No, it was the plan of God to reveal His love. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory and the glory of, of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about Him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for He existed long before me. From his abundance, we will all receive one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Jesus. He has revealed God to us. Remember what Paul has said. The gospel I preach is not because man taught it to me. No, God was pleased to reveal himself to us through his son Jesus. God is pleased to reveal himself to us through his son Jesus. In hopes that we would turn to him. I know we like to have this image of God, you know, ready to... to, to beat us down, or to send us to hell. But that is not God's desire. God's will is that none shall perish. That's why he's made full provision through Jesus so that you will not go to hell. It is your choice to go to hell. It is your choice. Because if you choose not to love God, if you choose not to take the provision of his son for your life, then that is your choice. And he loves you enough to give you what you desire. If you don't want a life with him, he'll turn you over to what you want. But if you desire a life with him, he's already made provision and he bids you to come. Come. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And that's what our life should be reflecting to others. 
taste and see that the Lord is good? Are they seeing the goodness of the Lord in and through your life? And the goodness of the Lord is not that your circumstances are perfect. No, the goodness of the Lord being displayed is your attitude to the mess of your circumstances. Whom are they seeing? John was sent to testify of Jesus. And as it was with John, so it is with us. You are sent to testify of Jesus, of God's one and only Son that came to redeem mankind. This is the good news. Because people have a misunderstanding of God. And then we, as the church, have been given the truth, divine understanding and wisdom and revelation. And we are to be testifying and sharing just as bold as John did in his day. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, Who are you? He came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. Well then, who are you? they asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you a prophet? We are expecting no. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? And John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness. Clear the way for the Lord's coming. Then the Pharisees who have been sent asked him, If you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or a prophet, what right do you have to baptize? And John told them, I baptize with water. But right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. This encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who was far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I don't know, I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus. So I testify that he is the chosen one of God. Jesus, you all. His birth, his life, his ministry is just about to begin. He came into this world to redeem mankind, to save us from his wrath. The wrath of God. That at this moment, is stored up. At this very moment, at any second, at any hour of any day, 
it can hit this earth. The wrath of God. But yet Jesus came into this world to save mankind from his wrath. Because he's a just God. He has every right to send forth his wrath into a world that is in complete rebellion towards his kingdom. The wrath of God. The wrath of God. And yet, the birth of a baby in a manger. Jesus, the Messiah, came to spare us from such agony, from such torment. He grew into a man who knew his purpose. He was the Son of God. He was God in flesh. He knew he came to save mankind. Do you love him? Because that's what it boils down to in the end. Do you love him? Only you can answer that. And only he knows your heart. He knows, rather, your words reflect truth. There's a lot of people who are saying they love him, but they don't. There's a lot of people who claim him, and they don't even know him, because he doesn't even know them. There's a lot of people who, who believe they're in right standing with God, but yet they're in just as much danger as the next lost soul. There's work to be done, you all. Deception is growing at a rapid pace in our nation and throughout the earth. There's work to be done, you all. As we come together this over the next week or so to celebrate Christmas, to celebrate the birth of Christ, may we feel the urgency of the hour to know that there's work to be done. The celebrations, the pageantries, you know, the decorations, all of that is nice and it's good and there's nothing wrong with any of that. But if we neglect the meaning and the witness of it, then really what is it all about? People are dying and going to hell. An eternal hell. Because they refuse to love the Lord their God. He has made provision. He is the Lamb of God. He is the one who came to take away the sins of the world. He is the one that has defeated sin and death. And He is the one that has defeated Satan. He has crushed Him. And yet, we give the enemy and we give our flesh such authority in our lives. The only one who should have authority in our lives is Christ Jesus and Him alone. As believers. 
And then we recognize as believers that our war is not against flesh and blood with others. Our war is against the principalities and rulers in the air of the darkness. Who is controlled by, the, by Satan himself. The Bible also says that those who are not engrafted into the kingdom of God, Satan is blinding their eyes. And I'm asking us today, if we understand that there is a real enemy who is blinding the eyes of others, who is wreaking havoc and chaos throughout the nations, who is trying to set up his dominion and kingdom, How on earth are we going through the day not drawing upon the strength of the Holy Spirit to be able to stand in the days that are evil? We must get to a place that we understand that there is a war at hand. The lines have been drawn. You are either for God or you're against Him. And if you are for him, then stand and live as such. Be bold with your witness. Serve and love. Do the opposite of what the world does. Because Christ's kingdom is not of this world. Only Satan's kingdom is. And it's already been defeated. But we are strategically placed here in this generation in this day, in this hour, to be bearers of light, to be bearers of truth, stop getting entangled with the foolishness that's around you. Stop acting and doing as they do. Start tearing down strongholds in the name of Jesus. Understand the authority in which you have been given. So many of us are walking around weak and wounded. That is not your position. You can't keep giving up ground because your feelings are hurt. you got to get beyond yourself and see the fullness in the spiritual realm of what's taking place. There is a war, a strategic war. And the enemy's plans is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus' plans. And Jesus has set forth that he came to give life and life to the full. And that's what we ought to be giving. Start seeking wisdom. Start seeking counsel. Start putting into practice what you're hearing and what you're learning. Start allowing truth to define you. The baby came. The Messiah was born. But he's not still the baby in the manger. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is at the right hand of the throne of God. Interceding. He's not turning you over or pushing you away. No, he is continually drawing you to himself. Reminding of you, reminding you how great he is and who he is. Such great love. Such great love and the hope that man has, all because of what Christ has accomplished. Go to James chapter 1. 
verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. Look at this. For it has the power to save your souls. Humbly. Accept the word of God that has been planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and for widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. We must be hearers and doers of the word, not just hearers. We must be living it out, you all. It has to become our reality. If not, you're going to forget it. If not, you're giving yourself the right to everything else out there to control you, to lord over you. But why would you? Why would you? Look at James chapter 4. Verse 1. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. He's writing to the church, you all. What is causing all of this dysfunction among you? You're still stuck on self. It's all about you, me, myself, and I. And you're scheming and you're manipulating, you're doing things just to try to advance your agenda, your desires, your wants. And for what? For what? The reality of the birth of the Messiah, Jesus, the light of the world. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one who has defeated sin and death. 
the reality of the truth that God sent his one and only son, and yet we want to remain selfish. That's not how it works. And we read in the scripture before, do not get tainted or corrupt by the world. There is a way in which we ought to live. And the hope that we have because of his birth, because he came at that appointed time in that appointed generation, God orchestrated the events and the Messiah came forth. <coughs> and just as everything was arranged and orchestrated for his death and for his resurrection, for his ascension, so it is, as we've been talking about the past couple of weeks, so it is for his return. And how is he going to find us? Listen, we've talked about it before. It's good to celebrate his birth. It's good to celebrate his death. But we better be looking forward to the day of his return. We have to remain encouraged. We have to keep fanning the flames. We have to continue to encourage each other. We have to continue to hold each other accountable. We've got to stop making excuses for what we're doing and trying to justify it. And we've all been there before. And we all may find ourselves there again, or we may be even in it today. But the thing is, we can't remain there. We have got to get up from the place of rebellion. We've got to get up from the place of sin that so easily entangles us because the Bible tells us to throw it off. The Bible says to throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. We gotta remember to run the race. We gotta persevere. We gotta press on. We gotta press in. We gotta take ground. We gotta rebuke the enemy in Jesus' name. We gotta take authority. We've gotta know our identity because if you're not reminding yourself daily who Christ is and who you are in Him, and you're waiting for someone else to do it for you, you're in trouble. Because no matter how much I or anyone else can stand before you and remind you who he is and who you are in him until you do it for yourself, it means nothing. It means nothing. You have to believe. You have to believe. And then in your belief, you've got to walk it out. You've got to walk it out. He goes on and says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit, I'm sorry, that the spirit God has placed within us is filled with envy, but he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires as scriptures say, God opposes the proud but favors the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter, and gloom instead of joy. 
Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up in honor. Listen, I said it earlier, we cannot take lightly our rebellion. We can't. We have got to stop making excuses. We have got to, be, we got to stop being so quick to go that way. If you're finding yourself stuck there, then repent. Do we realize how easy it is to turn from our rebellion? It's a choice. Repent. Turn back to God. Are you truly sorrow, feeling sorrow and deep grief for the filth that comes and projects out of your mouth? Are you, are you truly sorrow? Do you truly have sorrow and deep grief, repentance for living the way and doing the things you know you aren't and shouldn't be doing? You, should, you aren't shouldn't have any association with it. And if not, then ask Him. You have not because you've asked not. And a lot of times we're just making excuses or we're just justifying our sin, our attitudes, our habits, everything that we've done, our character, our lack of character. Listen, we've got to daily allow Him to have access to us. Not just when we feel like it, but daily. Search me, O God. Test me. See if there's any wicked way within me. And when he reveals it, repent. Don't make excuses. Don't begin to say well, how everybody else has done things to you or whatever the circumstances may be. It's so easy to get trapped there. It really is. The flesh will have nothing more than to keep us trapped in sin. The enemy will love nothing more than to reap just condemnation and guilt and shame and make it about us. When it's all about Him. But you should have deep sorrow. You should grieve. You should feel the weight of it. And then you should turn to Him. Don't stay there. Turn to Him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Jesus, you all. Jesus. Let's go to Revelation. And let's hear the words of Jesus today. Revelation chapter 1. That's where I'm starting. We're going to work through chapter 5. Chapter 1, verse 9. Jesus, you all. The revelation of Christ, the Messiah, the victorious one. Oh, that we would call upon the name of the Lord, that we would seek Him. I love the scripture that just, we just read, that if we draw close to Him, he will draw close to us. We're talking about God, you all. 
He can't just be a, a, an imaginary figure that we believe in. No, he is who he is. He's God. He can't be just, just our reality one second and not the next. No, he has to be who he is. Because he is who he is. <laughs> I have been meditating since yesterday on these scriptures in Revelation. Jesus, you all. This vision that John had. It says here, I, I John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit and suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, and these are the words of Jesus, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, and Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstand was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, Jesus' words, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will come. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Jesus, you all. This incredible encounter, this vision that John had, and John was ordained to write out, we have in our hands. To read through, to meditate upon, to receive, to have it planted within our hearts. Jesus, you all, the one in whom we're celebrating the birth of. Let us not forget how great he is. Listen to how Jesus himself describes himself. <coughs> I am alive. Huh. Back up. I am the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Amen. Jesus, you all. 
Then John begins to pen the words of Jesus. And we did a study many years ago on these letters, and I would encourage you to listen to these words being read today. These, these were the letters written by John, but inspired by Jesus, because these are Jesus' words to the churches. And just as they were the words then, so they are now. Write this letter to the angel of the church at Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. Jesus says, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Wow. But I have this complaint against you. Jesus, you all. Lest we want to make him and keep him this weird figure of history. No, he's Jesus. He is Christ of the Lord. He knows and he sees what is in your heart, your deeds and your actions. He knows if you're attentive to his leading or if you're still in rebellion towards him. He knows exactly where you're at. And he is Lord, and he is God, and he can say to us, this is the complaint I have against you. Listen to what he had against this church. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. But listen, just as he spoke back in the day, so he speaks today. If you're wandered off, just come back. He says, turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come, and if you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, or the Nicolaitans, just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches, to everyone who is victorious. I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. And as you listen to these letters, you hear Jesus speak. This is what I have against you, but this is what you can do to be restored back to me. And it's basically the same. Turn back to me. Repent. Do what you did at first. Believe. We're celebrating his birth. But do you believe? How sad it is to celebrate his birth and not believe. How sad it is to celebrate and not believe in him. To say you do and then live as if you don't. You can't be all talk. It has to be truth. Jesus is exposing these churches. This is what you've done right, but here's reality. This is how you're living. But turn back to me. Believe again. Believe again. He says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. 
This is the message from the one who was the first and the last, who was dead but is now alive. Jesus says, I know you're suffering in your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not, because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you in prison to test you. You will suffer for ten days. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Are you listening to the words that are written to these churches? So far from what I'm reading and seeing, they're going through some rough times. They're enduring. They're facing challenges. Life is not easy for them. But yet Jesus himself is calling them to endure. Calling them to continue to go through. Don't quit. Don't give up. Remain faithful. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. And then write this letter to the angel of the church in Pergamum. This is the message from the one with the sharp two-edged sword. Jesus says, I know that you live in a city, or in the city, listen to this, where Satan has his throne. Praise be to God that Jesus has a church in that city. And praise be to God that Jesus has his churches throughout this entire earth. Where Satan is trying to establish his rule and his reign. Listen, Jesus himself recognizes it. And look what he says to this church. You have remained loyal to me. You have refused to deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you there in Satan's city. But I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to, how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. In the similar way, you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teaching. Repent of your sin, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven. And I will give to each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. And we continue to see Jesus in these letters with, He who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let us hear today how we will respond to the move of God in our lives, in our generation. That we will be found faithful. That we won't just hold a form of religion and deny His power, but that, no, we would have Christ. That we would have received Him, be filled with this Holy Spirit, and begin to live a life of obedience. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Thyatira. 
This is the message from the Son of God, whose eyes are like the flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. I know all the things you do. I have seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance, and I can see your constant improvement in all these things. But I have this complaint against you. You are permitting this, that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. Therefore, I will throw her on the bed of suffering. And those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and intentions of every person. Jesus. And I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. But I also have a message for the rest of you, if I retire, who have not followed this false, false teaching. Deeper truths, as they call them, depths of Satan, actually. I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority I received from my Father, and I will also give them the morning star. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Listen, we must be careful what we allow in. The teachings that lead people astray. Sin that, that the church allows without holding people accountable cannot continue. We can't just take on every form of teaching that we like. Because it's not about us, it's about Him. We must uphold His truth. We must carry out His truth. We must be the light as He was the light. We must be bearers of truth so that others will receive. Jesus is seeing the comings and the goings of the church. He understands the intentions <coughs> and the purpose behind what we do. And he is either pleased or he's not. And if he's not pleased, he is bidding us to return to him. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the seven, sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. And then he says, go back to what you heard and believe at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have never soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life. But I will announce before my Father and his angels that they are mine. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true. The one who has the key of David. What he opens no one can close and what he closes no one can open. 
Jesus says, I know all the things you do. I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit to understand what he is saying to the churches. And this last letter, write this letter to the angel of the church of Lady Osea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing, and you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold for me, gold that, can, that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments for me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so that you will be able to see. I correct and I discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat on my father, who sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus, you all. These are Jesus' words. This is the words of our Lord. This is the one in whom we come to celebrate this season. His birth. Listen to what he is saying. He doesn't play games. He is God. And he has set forth his purpose. And he is bringing it about. And do you not hear him revealing the heart issues of man? And in doing so, he, he's asking them to come back. Return to me. Believe again. Repent. Stop going your way. Listen, if you want to go your way, go your way. But why would you choose eternal torment when God himself has made provision for you for eternity to be in his kingdom? sent his one and only son into this world to free us you all to forgive us 
Not for anything that we can do, but all for what He has done. I want to close giving us to give us this picture of heaven. John writes, Then as I look, I saw a door standing open in heaven. And the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, Jesus' voice, Come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper or carnelian. And the glow and I'm sorry, and the glow of an emerald circle, his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of me, I'm sorry, in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold Spirit of God in front of the throne with the shining sea of glass sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes back and front. The first of the living beings was like a lion. The second one was like an ox. The third had a human face and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out, day after day, and night after night. They kept on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they existed because you created what you pleased. God, you all. What a beautiful picture of heaven and the worship that is taking place. This isn't some, you know, pretend reality. No, this is reality. This is heaven. This is worship. This is Jesus, you all. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll. And it was sealed with seven seals, and I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on the scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look. The Lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, he has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He, has, he had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God. 
that is sent out to every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one of them had a harp, and they laid and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of the thousands and millions of angels around the throne, and of the living beings and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. They began to sing, Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped the Lamb. Jesus, you all. Jesus. As it was at the time of his birth, so it shall be for our eternity. We will worship the Lamb, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus, the Lamb of God, who is the victorious one. The one in whom we're saying we're going to gather this week and celebrate his birth. Oh, that we would have a new perspective on Christmas. That we will have a greater understanding revelation of who He is. How we are called to worship Him. To love on Him. To adore Him. To see Him for who He is. That is not just, again, play Christianity or, or <clears throat> pretend somehow that we are right with God if we're not. I want to close this today with just a time of worship. And in that worship, I just want to appeal to each of us to allow the Holy Spirit to search us, to see if there's anything within us that is dishonoring His name. And in doing so, let us repent. And if you're sitting here today and you've never accepted Jesus, then I don't know what you're waiting for. Why would you continue to choose rebellion? Why would you continue to choose to deny Him for who He is? For He is God and God alone. So let me close this with this worship, and then I'll close this in prayer.
Lord.